Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Series last week called Help. And so as a way of setting you up, some of you saw this last week, but we almost had revival in the second service when I played this last week, so I thought you might want to get your shout on. So if you will, watch this. folks, that's the Beatles. They were so controversial. Uh, Y'all want to do that high note on the help part? Come on, let's all together. Okay, I didn't think so. All right. Anyway, I read to you the words, part of the words uh, last week from this song. It was this, help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Help. Real deep. When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. But now these days are gone. I'm not so self-assured. Now I've changed my mind and opened up the doors. And I mentioned to you last week that if you have a teenager in your house, they don't really get this part of the song because they're still young and they think they know everything. But there will come a day, I've come to that day, where I recognize I don't know as much as I used to know. Anybody there? In fact, the older I get, I suddenly realize the less I know, it seems like. And my parents are so wise now. I don't know what happened. Just at some moment in history, boom, they just became geniuses. And I can't something happens. We learn that we need help. And we begin to talk about help. And so I told you last week about the help prayer. When we pray, God help. 
there are some ser- several things that we learned. Number one, we learned that it's a perfect prayer because it fits any situation. It doesn't matter if you're having the worst day known to mankind, the prayer for help works. And at the same time, if you just woke up on the wrong side of the bed and you cry out help, it still works. It, 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 it increases in strength and goes down in strength as needed. It meets your need. It works in any situation, but it also is perfect because it works for any person. A saint can pray help and a sinner can pray help. It just works for everybody. And then I also told you that it is the most answered prayer. If you go back and you trace Jesus' life here on earth, you recognize that most of the miracles that he performed were as a direct result to someone crying out for help. For instance, he turned the water into wine because his mama said, we need help. He fed the 5,000 because his disciples said they're starving to death. They need help. He healed the blind man because they said help. He healed Jairus' daughter because somebody said, we need help, right? He responds to our request for help. Now, the only problem with that is this. Some of us find ourselves occasionally in places where we can't cry out for help. You ever been there? We're going to talk this morning. We're going to shift gears a little bit, and we talked about the help prayer. This morning, I want us to talk about the help place. Because what I've discovered is that there are instances in our life, because I found some in Scripture, where we just don't have it in us to ask for help. We're so distraught and so hurt and so bound even that we cannot cry out for help. Good news. You'll you'll see the good news. I want us to be encouraged today. Turn in your Bible, if you will. We're going to look at three instances where the help place came into play. Very succinct portion of Scripture. Doesn't give us a lot of background. Doesn't fill in the gaps. I'm going to try to do that for you this morning, Lord willing. And then we're going to go on into Luke. But starting in Mark chapter 16, verse 9, simply says this. Jesus appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. That's all it tells us. Then we go into Luke chapter 8, verse 26 through 31, and we see another account. It says, they sailed on to the country of the Gerasenes, directly opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on the land, a madman from town met him. He was a victim of demons. He hadn't worn clothes for a long time nor lived at home. He lived in the cemetery. When he saw Jesus, he screamed and fell before him and bellowed, What business do you have messing with me? You're Jesus, son of the high God, but don't give me a hard time. The man said this because Jesus has started to order the unclean spirit out of him. Time after time, the demon threw the man into convulsions. He had, placed, he had been placed under constant guard and tied with chains and shackles. But crazed and driven wild by the demon, he would shatter the bonds. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? Mob. My name is Mob, he said, because many demons afflicted him. And they begged Jesus desperately not to order them to the bottomless pit. And then in Luke chapter 22, Verse 47 through 51 says this, While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. And he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear. 
and healed him. The help place. I want to take a few moments this morning and try my very best to paint the picture of three places that we often find ourselves in where we don't know what we're going to do. And let's see what happens. The first I read to you is out of Mark chapter 16, verse 9. Her name was Mary. She came from a little town called Magdala. That's why they called her Mary the Mag of Magdalene. That town became her moniker where she was from. Mary was the victim of a terrible, terrible evil. It would have been bad enough to be possessed by one devil, but Mary finds herself possessed, residing within her the, the home to seven different demons had set up camp in her. That is a terrible way to live. All we know is that uh, her life was had been arrested by evil. We don't even know from her past. There is no information given about her past by, by what she did. What did she do in her past that caused her to be open to demon possession? We have no concept of what took place. All we know is that she finds herself in a situation where she's bound by something stronger than physical change. Her entire life, her entire being is, is in bondage and wrapped up, arrested by these seven demons that have her bound in their invisible grip. Mary couldn't help herself. She was unable to defend herself. She was entirely enslaved. Now, the condition that Mary finds herself in is perhaps the most important and the most prominent feature of this account. And we often focus in on that element. But there is a secondary feature that we should look at this morning that speaks to us that we need to focus our attention on. And although Mary's situation was absolutely terrifying and it was absolutely terrible, we must look past her condition and look to her location. Because Mary lived in Magdala. You got to get this. The great physician, wrapped up in peasant robes, incognito, goes to an unlikely and an unexpected place. See, you need to understand that this little village was positioned on the northern side or the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. It was a totally inconspicuous place. It, it, it commanded no strategic importance to Rome or to Jerusalem. It was a forgotten little town. It was the Anadarko of the Bible. That's where I grew up. It's one of those proverbial little one-light blips on the map. It's not a sightseeing destination. Nobody goes out of their way to go to this little town, and yet Jesus walks in. It was not a location or a destination for sightseers, but even more so, it was not a destination where you expect to find the King of glory and the Lord of lords. And that's where Jesus shows up. He arrived there unsought. He, nobody from Magdala had sent word and said, Jesus, could you come visit our town? Jesus goes out of his way to an unexpected, unlikely place. And I am convinced that Jesus went there for one reason and one reason only. And that reason was to find a woman bound and broken. And he finds her. 
I want you to notice that he found her. She didn't find him. See, this should encourage some of us today because some of you find yourself in an out-of-the-way place. You are in a place spiritually that you really don't expect to find God. You are so far from him that you feel like it would be unlikely for him to show up in your circumstance, in your situation. You find yourself isolated and you don't even think God knows where you are. It's an unlikely place. It's an unexpected place place. But I would say to you this, guess who's coming to dinner? Because God and Jesus have this this uncanny and unexplainable tendency to show up in the least expected places. In fact, I would say to you this morning that when you least expect him, you should expect him to show up. Some of you feel like that you are unreachable by God, that your circumstance and your situation and the environment of your life is so far beyond His reach. But I came to tell you that Jesus delights in showing up in unlikely, unexpected places so that He can reach out and touch you. I need this to get into your spirit. He went out of His way. Get that deep into your spirit this morning. He went out of his way. In other words, he will change his travel plans to find you. He will detour if he needs to to find you. He will go a different route if he needs to to find you and to assist you. Some of you feel forgotten this morning. Some of you feel overlooked. Some of you feel unnoticed. Some of you feel unwanted. Some of you feel like your chains are growing tighter, that your sickness is growing stronger, that your condition is deteriorating daily. And Jesus will pack a sack lunch and go out of his way to go rescue you. Even if you didn't ask him to, he will come looking, searching, fighting for you. He will show up uninvited. He will show up unsought. He will show up unexpectedly and search you out. The cool thing about this story is that not only will he find you, but once he finds you, he will change you. We discover that he finds this woman and he sets her free. And there's some irony here that you need to pick up because now he's found Mary and he sets her free and breaks the grip of Satan on her life. And then 18 months later, He bestows on her the honor of being the first witness of his resurrection. That's what Jesus does. Unexpected grace shows up in unexpected place. I don't know where you're living today. You may be far from God. The circumstances of your life may have taken you down a route or a path that you would not have chosen. We've talked about that before. You may find yourself surrounded by a different set of circumstances than you thought you would. This is not the way that you would have gone. This is not the way you thought it was going to work out. But I just came to encourage somebody and tell you this morning that Jesus will go out of his way. He will change his plans. He will take a different route to reach you. That's good news. But not only does he go to the unexpected place or the unlikely place, Jesus has this tendency to show up in the impossible place. Luke paints this picture. I I wish I could help you read the account the way I do. I, I guess my imagination tends to run a little 
different than most. But when I read the account that I read to you out of Luke about the demon-possessed man who is so bound, this is how it works for me. I think that what Luke is doing is he's actually trying to paint a picture. I think that, that he is painting a portrait of the impossible place. With his words, he is actually taking a brush and stroking across the canvas. It is such an impossible, dark place that the only appropriate and logical backdrop that he could choose to set the scene with is that the man lives in the cemetery. How dark of a place does it have to be that you no longer can live at home, but you actually live in a cemetery? It's bondage so severe that it cannot be bound. If there was ever the picture or the portrait or the appropriate painted uh, picture of the impossible place, Luke pulled it off because this is an impossible, absolutely impossible situation. You think about Mary's condition. The Bible says that she was possessed by seven demons and she was bound and she was destroyed. And yet this man was so possessed and so dark, and so messed up, that when Jesus addresses him and says, how many, or what is your name, the the man responds by saying, my name is Mob. Or in the King James, it says Legion. And then you go back and you begin to research what that word means, and typically in the day and age that that word was used, the concept of Legion means that there were somewhere, most likely, between 3,000 and 6,000 demons residing in that man. It is a dark, impossible, bound place. If there was ever a bound, or if there was ever an impossible place, that was it. In fact, I would submit to you this morning that this may be the worst case of bondage ever recorded in Scripture. And it's not like people hadn't tried to help. They had offered this man assistance. Others had tried to control him. They had tried to set guards over him. However, on every single occasion, the guards were lost, perhaps because they were running for their own lives, trying to escape as he would chase them through the cemetery. It was a dark, desperate situation. Chains had been shattered. and Clothes had been abandoned. This was the impossible And I say that to you this morning because I want you to recognize that some of you are facing great impossibilities. Some of you right now are facing financial challenges and you've tried everything that the experts have said and you've utilized every Dave Ramsey trick in the book and you still don't know how you're going to make ends meet and it is tighter right now than it's ever been in your life and you're worried. Some of you are facing physical issues that the doctors have it has caused the doctors to scratch their heads and when they scratch their heads you duck your head because you don't know what you're going to do and you don't know how you're going to overcome this and you're not sure you're going to survive and the prognosis, the final prognosis is no solution, there's nothing we can do it's an impossible situation some of you are in a relationship that seems damned no amount of counseling seems to help You've tried everything, you've made adjustments, and nothing changes. Hearts are broken and hard at the same time. Hope is gone. Hands have been thrown up in the air and vows have been thrown out the window. And it looks like it may be over. And from this account in Scripture, I need to ask you a question. How impossible is your place? 
me ask you a question this morning. Has all assistance been given that man can get? Have you turned over every stone trying to come to some solution? Have you attempted to do every logical and feasible thing that you know to do to bring solution and bring remedy and bring freedom and you still come up short? Then good news. I just came to tell you some good news. And the good news this morning is this. You are in the perfect place to meet the God who not only can but seems to love to walk into the impossible situation and overturn it. See, the truth is, is this account that I read to you out of Luke is worst case scenario. It doesn't get any worse than this. The environment was bad. The environment that he was surrounded in was not right for redemption. There was no chance. They had tried all they knew to try. It was over. Powerful news for you this morning is this. Jesus' ability to deal with your impossible is not weakened or diminished by the environment that you work in or live in. Because we serve an impossible God. And so I came to encourage some of you this morning that even though you feel like giving up, And even though you feel like there's no solution and no way out, if that's you, you're in the perfect place to see him work. And oh, by the way, this man didn't seek Jesus' help either. Jesus sought him. That'll become important here in a second. And then finally, not only does help come to the unexpected and unlikely place, and not only does help come to the impossible place, help comes to the touchy or the tense place. If there was ever a moment that was fraught with tension, it was this one. The disciples are on edge and they're ready to fight. The soldiers are armed to the teeth and they're willing to use force if necessary. It was dark. Ever been in one of those situations where it was dark? Something interesting happens when you find yourself in the dark. You get on edge. That's where they were. It was dark. It was hard to see. Adrenaline was flowing. Fists were clenched. They were grasping weapons. One wrong move and a full-on street fight would break out. And the wrong move was made. Peter snaps and he snips. Now, I believe that this reveals to us that Peter was definitely a fisherman because if he had been trained in the art of hand-to-hand combat, he wouldn't have missed. Because I don't believe that Peter was trying to cut off his ear. I think he was trying to cut off his head, and he missed. And it was a tense, touchy situation. Why? Because blood had been spilled and pain had been caused And so we find this place of tension. Some of you are there now. Every word that you say has to be measured. Eggshell has become your carpet of choice. You'll get that one later. One wrong glance, one wrong word, 
and everything you've worked so hard to establish in your life could fall down around your ears. The job could be lost. The relationship could be broken forever. It's tense. Have you ever been there? Some of you are there right now. And the truth is that some of you didn't cause the tension, but you're having to live in it. An uninvited and perhaps even unwanted Jesus walked into a touchy, tense situation with healing. And catch this, he disarms the situation. And I came to tell you this morning that what Jesus wants to do is he wants to walk right into the midst of your tension and he wants to disarm it. In one touch, in one word, he can disarm. Jesus comes along and he helps and he heals what was severed or cut off. Some of you are tense today because of what has been cut off from your life. Let me ask you some questions. Is your peace cut off? Is your joy gone because someone misplaced a blow and it has surgically removed your joy? Someone has broken your heart. Someone has abandoned you. Someone has done you wrong. Someone that you love and care about that is you're involved in in life, they've reached out, didn't mean to, but they reached out and they cut something off from you. And now you find yourself surrounded in tension and it's touchy and it's a dangerous situation. I came to tell you this morning that Jesus walks into those kind of places and he brings healing and he restores what was lost. So my question for you today is this. What place are you in? You may feel like you're living in an unlikely place. You may feel forgotten and overlooked. You may feel isolated or ostracized. But Jesus will go to the unexpected place for one reason. You. Maybe this morning you find yourself in this situation where your life is spinning out of control and you're not sure it seems impossible. You've tried all that you know to try. You've given it everything you've got and you are worn out and you're exhausted and you don't think you can do anything else. It's impossible. I've done it all. Don't tell me any more solutions. I've tried it all and it's not possible. Good news. Jesus likes the impossible place. Some of you are living your life tense. Blows have been struck. Words have to be scrutinized. You have to be careful the way you look at one another. You have to be careful with what you say. And I came to tell you that right in the midst of your tension, Jesus can walk in and bring peace that passes all understanding and cause swords to be laid down and healing to take place. David knew about the help prayer. I read to you last week twice out of the nine occasions in the song where he cried out for help. He knew what it was like to call for help. But David also understood the help place because in Psalm chapter 46, verse 1, he would shout to us this morning. This is what he says about this. In Psalm chapter 46, verse 1, he said this, God is our refuge and our strength, catch this, an ever-present help in the time of trouble. 
if David was standing here this morning, he would look at you and say, hey, don't get worried in your unexpected place because God is an ever-present help in your time of unexpected places. David would shout out, don't get worried, don't give up, don't be afraid because God is our ever-present help in impossible places. He would look at you and say, don't give up because God is our ever-present help. Intense places. I came to tell somebody this morning, doesn't matter what place you find yourself in, He's ever present. He's here. In fact, I want to say this, this to you this morning. You, whether you recognize it, realize it or not, you just happen to walk in to your help place today. Jesus brought you here to bring you help. You say, well, Steve, I can't pray anymore. I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. In fact, I don't know how to pray anymore. I have prayed so much. I've cried out. I've asked people to pray. And I'm done. I'm disappointed. I feel let down. Good news. He came looking for you. I want you to stand with me this morning. The most answered prayer is the prayer for help. But what do you do? What do you do when you can't pray anymore? Has anybody else been there other than me in this room? I have been in situations where I had cried all I knew to cry. I've prayed every prayer I know to pray. I've asked everybody for help. Anybody been there? The good news is this morning is he's coming for you. We sang I'll run after you, but I want to flip the tables this morning. He'll run after you too. Thank you, Jesus. I had a flashback this morning. I didn't do drugs or nothing. I just had a flashback. Right in the middle of my altar call this morning in the first service, I was about five years old again, sitting in a little one-room church on the back streets of Anadarko, wooden pews, no billboards, no website. Nobody had ever written an article about that church and never would sitting on about the fourth row as a five-year-old. I didn't know it, but I'd stumbled into my help place. And Jesus came looking for me that day. I didn't find him. He found me. We got billboards now. We got a website. We've even had articles written about us. But that's not what sets us apart. What sets us apart this morning is that Jesus walked into this room when you got here. He was on a mission. He was on a journey. He had packed a lunch so that he'd make sure he got here in time for you. If you'd have been the only one that showed up, Jesus would have still shown up because he's been looking for you. Father, this morning I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. 
that finds themselves locked up in an unexpected place. They didn't intend to be where they are now. They feel overlooked and forgotten. I pray this morning you would encourage them and strengthen them and allow them to know that you're looking for them. In fact, I pray that even right now that they would hear you calling their name. I pray that you'd walk onto their scene right now. Father, for those under the sound of my voice that are facing impossible situations, the doctors have said so-and-so and and it's impossible. The bank has said so-and-so, it's impossible. Their spouse has said so-and-so and it's impossible. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that now the voice they would hear would be yours. Father, I pray for those that are finding themselves in a tense place. It's touchy. They're not sure what's going to happen. They're on edge. Every nerve in them is on edge. They're worried. They can't sleep at night. They're concerned. This morning, I pray that what they would hear is a voice speaking peace. Be still. And you would disarm that situation in the name of Jesus. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 